Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. That was good, Robert. You should do it again. Try it again. No, no, no. I'm Robert Kane. I'm Rick Gromlick. Yeah, good job. <laughs> uh, what are we getting into today? Today we are talking about uh, books. Rob's going to try to give away a book. To get oh oh sorry we're talking about the book the book so we're talking actually about the church we're talking mm. about the origin and orientation of the church we're back to our church series and we're talking about three characteristics that should mark the church yes we're talking about those three and we spent a decent amount of time on Philippians four thirteen and all the great interpretations of that enjoy. Podcast. A podcast. We already said this in the intro. No, but say it again. Nah, we don't have to say All it. All right, so what's your name? How you doing? What's your name? My name's Rob. No, it's not. My name's Robert. There it is. My name's Bob. Can we, what's the, Bobby? Didn't we say we were going to call you Bobby? I don't remember at all. Robbie. No, not Robbie. Robbie. That's probably my least favorite of all. Robbie K. Robbie. Robbie. It's like Dobby. Reminds me of, have you ever seen the movie? Dobby. Um, Storm of the Century. No. So there's a guy on there. He's not a very likable character, which is probably why I don't like the name. But his name's Robbie, and oh. there's a scene where it's like his mom, who is dead, but it's like a vision or whatever. She's like, Robbie, Robbie, and I'm like, this is weird. I don't like it. So, how good, how, good movie. how old were good you? Good movie, all in all. Um, it it's a Stephen King movie, so it's kind of a horror movie. I watched it when I was like nine. Oh, so now we promote horror movies on the, uh, yeah, the show. I wouldn't encourage nine year olds to just, watch that. But are you a horror movie guy now? No, I used to be. Do you think it's okay to watch horror movies? I mean, yeah, I, I think you can watch a horror movie. Can you? I mean, I think it depends of course on you can watch movie. it. That's well, not I mean, the question. Without sinning, I think I think there are horror movies you shouldn't watch. But yeah, I think there are horror movies you can watch. Okay. Okay. Rick, anyway, Rob, how's your week? Ah, it's great. How about you? Pretty good. Do you want to flush it out? Do anything? Do anything? Are we going straight can, into this? Flush it out. Can you? You can try you, not to have any banter. Or? Flush it out. Can you? Um. I said. Can you peel back the flesh? Oh, they said flush it out. No, no, no. So we're not going to flush anything here. Say, had, wow, I thought had I had a good problems week, in our house for the last week or so, and, and I'm, I'm done with trying to flush things out. Thankfully, segue. things are flushing just fine. Rob had some bad Chinese. He was backed <laughs> up for some time. And let's just say he clogged up the system. Yeah. No, that's not it. Um, our pipes just had a lot of roots in them, apparently. And oh, no pipe roots. <laughs> needed three visits from the plumber to get them all out. So... <laughs> That was all clear. Fun. Yeah, apparently, so far so clear. Yeah, last week, um, Candace and I did a staycation. Yeah, you with did with the boys. So, which probably everyone knows what this is. It's a vacation where you just don't go anywhere. You you save a put. lot of money. And here's the upside to it. I'll be honest. Be honest. Yeah. Be, feel free to be honest. I'm gonna be honest with the listeners. You be transparent. They deserve it. Mm-hmm. They Dog deserve fairness, <laughs> honesty. Um. <laughs> It was great in that, like, you could do projects around the house. Like, you weren't worried about, like, hey, I got this done today because I can get back to work tomorrow. What were some projects you got done? Um, well, reorganized, put everything back in the garage for the winter, did some garage stuff. Garage looks good. So we're recording right now. Um, kitchen, took everything out, like, all the cabinets, reorganized the kitchen. We um, re- rearranged the living room, hung out, that kind of stuff. Saved a lot of money because nice. we weren't 
traveling, and uh, it's just relaxing, sleep in your own bed kind of a thing. So it was good. Good week all in all, Ron. Nice. And you get to travel next week? Yes, I do. Yep. You're not going to... Where are you going next week? Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. <laughs> I care. I'd like to know. Where are you Where are you going? We're going to Manhattan. Mm. COVID Central. Well, you go there, and... That's where my van is going with whoever's in it. <laughs> are you going to be in that van? I was planning on being in that van. I now I'm concerned. Now we're going to Louisville... Louisville. Kentucky. KY. Rob used to live in Louisville. Home of fried chicken. I did. Is it actually the home of fried chicken or no, is it the I home of so. Colonel Sanders? Probably the home Big of Colonel difference. Sanders. I really don't know. That guy's got an amazing What's story, by the way. What's that episode, um, Revisionist History, where they talk about Taco Bell and... Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I keep wanting to say appropriations or mis... I don't know. Appropriations. You, got, you guys might be able to hear that, but we're outside. There's jet so you're just gonna, Yeah, there's like a plane flying over this. That's yeah, just a truck with really big tires. Yeah. Mud, mud tires. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going to Louisville next week for a little conference action. Mm-hmm. Rob and my, our wives are going with us. My wife, Candace. Rob's wife, Danielle. It'd be a good time. Good I think time so. had by all. I think so. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so what are we talking about? This week. Today, we're back in our series on the doctrines of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the origin and the orientation mm. of the church. So when did the church start and what is its aim? Right? Okay. I like that. I like that. Okay. So let's get right into it then. Get into it. We're, we're less than five minutes in. We're already Ooh. jumping in. This is great. We're making good time. This might be an efficient episode. Listeners already know based off how long it is, but we shoot for 25-ish minutes. And we and get... <laughs> we rarely get that. Oh, we get like 45 minutes. It's no, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, yeah. I view achieving the goal and being more brief. Yeah. Because that means you know what needs to be said. You know the topic. That's you don't right. have to be real long. Brevity we end up talking a lot. Is a gift. Because we feel like we got to keep fleshing it out. Rob, you just wasted... Because the first like six tries we did weren't we clear enough. And that's our own fault. Three more minutes. And then we have listeners Three more asking, minutes you just wasted. Well, you're right. No, it was only a minute. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> here sure, we go. Here sure we go. Here we like go. Three. Which we do love it when listeners ask, so I don't want to give off that impression. But anyways, for the sake of not wasting any more time, we're talking about when did the church start and what is its aim? You just mentioned yeah. that. So yes. let me ask you this question, Rick. When, when did the church start? Um, Sundays at nine mm, when I was a kid. Ten. 10 o'clock oh, okay. now for us at Proclamation Church. 10 o'clock for us too. Yeah, because we o'clock. knew the exact time that the first church service happened. <laughs> yeah, so there's two ways of kind of breaking this out. Um, we know that the visible church, the church as we know it today, began in the book of Acts. We look at Acts chapter 2 after Jesus um, ascends back to heaven and he commissions the church after the Pentecost to go, or Jesus, commi- Jesus gives the great commission, Matthew 28. There you go. And then he gives the promised Holy Spirit in Acts 2 um, at Pentecost. And Acts, even Acts 1-8 is mm-hmm. a commissioning passage. Yep. Um, and that's when the church begins to function in a visible way, where the New Testament, New Covenant church is kind of beginning to click. Yep. However, people can look back and see, in a sense, the indivisible church, meaning the people of God, God's chosen people who he is working through. We go back to Genesis 3-15 and see the Lord working through his people for that. Yeah, so there's a there's a good passage here um, off of 1689 Federalism. Uh. Big fan of that website. Says, the church began Genesis 3.15 and the church began at Pentecost. How can both be true? Because of the visible, invisible church distinction as it relates to the promised, established new covenant. 
Old Testament saints were saved in the same way that we are today, through saving faith produced by the regenerating power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. We see this in the Second London Baptist Confession, um, chapter 8 and section 6, section 8, chapter 10, section 1, chapter 11, section 6. They were united to Christ and were therefore part of his mystical body, the church. We see that in the Second London Confession, chapter 26. Uh, section one, but it does not therefore follow that Israel was the church or quote unquote assembly of Christ. Dispensationalist, you've been triggered. Israel was an assembly. <laughs> Sorry, Jimmy. But not the assembly of Christ. Hebrews twelve twenty three. Though regenerate Old Testament saints were part of the body of Christ, they were a remnant within the broader body of the assembly of Israel, which was governed by the old covenant. Likewise, believers outside of Israel were not under the Old Covenant. For example, Lot and Melchizedek were not circumcised. It was not until Pentecost that the invisible church Mm -hmm. gathered or assembled together as the assembly of Christ, the church. The visible church was instituted at Pentecost and given ordinances of worship and its own government. There you go. Mm. Invisible church becomes visible at Pentecost. Yes. So as we go through this, we're going to kind of look at some key um, characteristics of the church. And we're going to do this over, I think, probably two different episodes. But we're going to look at three of them today. And the first one is that the church is, big churchy theological term, doxological. Okay, explain that. Doxological. We are oriented to the glory of God. Right. So our direction, our thrust, our aim is to give God glory. Yeah, doxa being the Greek word for glory, logos, Greek word for word. The word, there you go. (laughs) So we are looking to make, I'm trying to think of how to say this, to glorify God. Yes, Um, and we know that that through his word. Yeah, yeah. So we we point to to Christ, we we do that primarily through Christ's word. Mm. He is the word, right? He is the word, and then we have his... John one word. one John one fourteen. We're gonna get into that. Mm. Yep, and we we look at Christ to give God glory. So we know that God has revealed Himself, obviously just through His creation. We look at this in Romans one twenty. It says, "For His invisible attributes, that is His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, people are without an excuse." For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show him gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Mm-hmm. So we see in this passage uh, another doctrine about uh, pe- how God has revealed himself and how all humanity is held to account because God has revealed himself. But wh- what I want to hone in is that God has revealed these marvelous things throughout creation and they did not glorify God as they should. Right, they did not glorify the people him. did not glorify right. yeah. His creations, his created people, did not glorify him as God or show him gratitude. Well, God's people are the opposite of that. We are to show him glory, to honor him. And then you talked about, you referenced just a minute ago, John 1, 14. Says, yeah. And the word became flesh, right, and dwelt among us. And it's talking about Jesus. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So again, this this idea of God's glory. So as God's people, oriented 
through and by God's word to give God glory. So that's the, the first thing we do. Is a, it's a key characteristic of the church. We are doxological. We are oriented to the glory of God. So another way to say this is we're not oriented towards the well-being of every person on earth. Hmm. That probably is offensive. You're a, you're a monster. Yeah, exactly. But it's true. We're not oriented to all of us feeling good. We're not oriented to to have great lasers and, and fog machines <laughs> at our services. Um, we're not oriented to to be even um, as the first and foremost thing cultural reformers. To be to be really honest, yeah, those things come through the the renewing of God's people. Yeah. Right, but our main objective is to give God glory. You would say we're conversionists, so to speak, just when you talk about that cultural yes. reforming. I mean, we, we want to see yep. culture be reformed by all means, but we would say that the the only lasting way that's going to happen is through the conversion of people to yes. have their hearts changed and to desire new things. <clears throat> exactly. So um, the second thing is that the church is logocentric. Yes. What does that mean? So, um, logocentric, logocentric. So, lo- we just said the Greek word for word is logos. And so, if we are logocentric, means that we are keeping the word at the center. So, focused on the word of God, understood to refer to Jesus Christ, the incarnate word, and scripture, the inspired word. So, we're referring to both. We're not just saying one or the other. Uh, we're saying we're saying we want to keep both at the center. So, many... Uh, people have heard, and, and we even use this language in our church plant, of the term uh, gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. That's another way of saying word-centered, because we want to be focused on the gospel as revealed in the word. We want to be focused on Jesus, who is the word incarnate. Um, so gospel-centered, when when done properly, will be word centered. And it's another reason why we want the, the word to form everything that we do. There's a there's an argument throughout churches um, on the regular principle and the normative principle. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying that one is necessarily sinful. Some people might make that argument. I'm not ready to make that argument, but... They're saying the regulative principle is sinful? No, I don't think that's... I don't think that's <laughs> the one they're saying. <laughs> I wow. Lean, I lean towards regular principle <laughs> in that um, if scripture... <laughs> Can you throw out someone who would argue that the normative principle is sinful? I couldn't name a specific Okay, no but, but people person. are making that argument. Yeah, th- I think I would venture to say there are people who would say that, someone hey, if you're, if you're bringing something into the worship gathering that God did not say to bring into the worship gathering, then you are going against his prescription as to what the worship gathering should look like. And so, therefore, somebody may say that the normative principle is saying, you can do anything in Scripture so long as Scripture doesn't prohibit it, or you can do anything in the worship gathering so long as Scripture doesn't prohibit it. Right. Um, that would be the normative principle. Those on the regular principle side would say, um, we only do in the worship gathering what is prescribed to us by God. And so they point to Nadab and Abihu, who in the Old Testament brought um, strange fire before the Lord, fire that a sacrifice that he did not ask. And what ended up happening was... Um, they ended up being killed on the spot by the Lord. Now, just a side note, people are not, um, there's some wiggle room within both camps. Yeah, for sure. I there's mean, nuance. No absolutely. one's clearly a regulative, like like only what we see in Scripture is what we do. For Yeah, so they would, it's not necessarily what they only see, it's what is seen or clearly implied. Implied, yeah. 
Anyway, so you're saying back to the logocentric that yes. we want to be who are who are very word centric and we want to be Bible centric. Yep. We'll be Bible saturated. We'll be teaching the word. We will be um and to be gospel centered or Christ centered, you have to be clearly word centered. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see some churches and parts of segments of our culture. They want to be all about Jesus. Well, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and yep. the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yep. Right? He mm-hmm. was with God in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to separate God's Word from God when it's the same exact thing. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't separate them. Can't do it. Yeah, amen. Second Timothy three fifteen through 17, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word of God must be at the center of, of all that we do as his people. So how's, what's this look like? Someone's at a church, they are attending, they think it's a, a Bible-centered church, mm-hmm. um, they're Pastor definitely has a Bible with him on the pulpit. Holy, yep. Um, how do they know? So if, if their if, if their church is logocentric, if they are you know living out the John one one the Second Timothy three fifteen that you just said. Yeah, you might have some examples in mind that you want to throw out there, but the first one that comes to mind for me is that the the practice is reflective of what is seen in Scripture. So, and you can be normative principle or regular principle, mm-hmm. and, and whatever your principles are. Yeah, exactly. It's um, 2020. Yeah. Um, is that, that, that the practice of the church looks similar to what we see in Scripture, but then also the the word preached mm-hmm. reflects the original author's intent. So Flesh that out a little. Flesh, flesh out. that out a little, please. So classic example, mm. Philippians 4.13. Yes. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, Paul, when he's writing that, mm-hmm. He's talking about how he has lived with much. He knows what it is to have much, and he knows what it is to have little. And he is saying that no matter which side of, no matter which scenario I find myself in, I can live with it and I can be content with it because I have Christ Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior, as my everything. So he doesn't mean you can be a believer and do... Always hit do a half court shot relationship evangelism where you can date the heathen girl and make her a believer. He does not mean that, or vice versa, be the godly girl who like converts the high school heathen boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that verse is not meant. Okay, I mean we see it on, on Steph Curry's basketball shoes, which I mean don't get me wrong, I, that's great. I'm I'm glad that he's trying to. Do you think Steph Curry is maybe going through much and he's learning to be content with much? He, he may be. <laughs> Because he ain't learning to be content with little. I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he had to go through a bunch of little. Maybe. I don't, I don't, I don't know Steph Yeah, Curry's I don't know. Story. I don't want to make any... Anyway. Yeah, I don't want to make, make any judgments with that. But, uh, no. but there regardless, there, it can often be taken out of context in, in that, oh, I can I can be the best basketball player. Yeah. Because uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or I can be the best um, salesman. Or I can be the best... Mo- you know what I mean? I used to quote that verse when I was playing baseball as a kid. Did you ever play baseball? Yeah, I played baseball as a kid. No, How long did you play baseball? For six years, maybe. What? What position did you play? I played shortstop and... You dog. Mostly, mostly shortstop and catcher. That's the second most athletic position on the field. I know. Right behind center field, of course. 
<laughs> what can I say? I played center field, so <laughs> listeners had to throw that in there. Honestly, those shortstops were probably Anyway, more I started going to the bat and thinking about that verse. Like, okay, I can do this. I can do all things. I can do all things, including hit the, and And not that, like, my heart was, like, right in that, okay, Lord, I need your help. Yeah, exactly. But it wasn't, like, I can, <laughs> my attitude was, I don't practice. I'll just quote this verse. Yeah. So, so we... We've, we've gone on, so on this well. one verse, but that, that's one example that right. the, the so, preaching should reflect yes. the author's original intention. Yeah. No, they're not twisting scripture yeah. and, to and, make a point. And they should, with everything they're doing, the doctrines of the church. Our listeners are so happy that we're recording outside. I know. <laughs> a lot of uh, life is happening here. Exactly. Um, no, but everything they're doing, they should be able to back it up with scripture for the most part. Now, don't go in and say, hey, why is there a color scheme, you know? Yeah. Black Where do you and see that? this or whatever, yeah. But like the serious things they're doing, they should be able to like, no, we you know, and make a good connection there. Yeah. So. so, so we've said that the church is doxological; it's oriented to the glory of God. We've said that it is logocentric, mm-hmm. in that it revolves itself around the Word of God, the yes. Word being Jesus and the Scriptures. Scriptures. Yep. And what's the third one? The church is pneuma dynamic. All right. Explain that. Pneuma. P n e u. Pneuma. Pneuma dynamic. Uh, so pneumatology or is the study of the Holy Spirit Boom. or things within the spiritual realm. Um, it comes from the Greek word meaning air. Um, actually, I don't know that. But if you're a tool guy, you have pneumatic tools. Exactly. exactly. Right? So all your air compressor tools, those are all pneumatic tools because they go through with compressed air. Actually, when I was in, in Greek, yeah, it was, when we were looking at pneuma, it was like um, wind, air, breath, spirit. Yeah, there so. you go. So with that, pneuma dynamic, created, gathered, gifted. This is the church. The church is created, gathered, gifted, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So again, going back um, to Acts 1.8, where we see the Lord or, or giving a commission. says, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is the commissioning. The Holy Spirit will empower the church, right, to do these things. So the, I think this is where people people can track, oh, yeah, we're God for the glory of God. We are logocentric. We're for that. And then they, like, pneumodynamic, like, start talking about the Holy Spirit. We begin to lose people kind of on both sides of the road, if you will. Some people just wig out and don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit, right? Yep. So they go kind of in that ditch. And the other one ditch people go in is like the Holy Spirit then has to drive everything uh, in a very charismatic way. So um, an example of the kind of spectrums here that I would say are within orthodoxy, or I'd say within healthy church. We'll, okay. we'll say that way. John MacArthur is a sensationist, right? He and, believed, uh, well, and what you're saying there for people listening means is. You're saying cessationist, not not sensationalist, because what? I used to think it was sensationalist. Is that what I said? No, you said oh. it sounded like you said cessationist, but I just wanted yeah. to clarify because when I first heard that, I thought they were saying sensationalist, in yes. that like they're not all about the sensations. Mm. But no, that's not what it is. Cessation. It's cessation, like cease See. and desist. They believe the gifts have ceased, ceased. not and, all of them, the miraculous gifts. Right, and so that shapes a lot of the way they they function. Right, they don't do the tongues, they don't do the prophecy, they don't do. Um, Raising people from the dead on Sundays, that kind of thing, you know? Yep. So anyway, but so that's where they fall. <laughs> that's where they fall. And they, um, 
and I would say they're within the, the confines of Scripture, right? But they still believe that the Holy Spirit is active, is living, is empowering them for faithful preaching, is is bringing sanctification and maturity and conviction. It's doing those things. So even though they believe those that the miraculous gifts have ceased, they still believe that the, the gifts or the Holy Spirit is actively working because if the Holy Spirit is not, then they are not regenerate, right? yep. Titus 3.5. So the other end of the spectrum, we would say— um, might be like I'm trying to think of church that's much more charismatic, but st- like J.C. Mahaney at C.J. Mahaney, <laughs> J.C. Ryle. I don't know. <laughs> I know where. Um, yeah, Sovereign Grace, Sovereign Grace Church, where they're <clears throat> they're more charismatic and they yeah. would hold to those things. Um, and so they're believing in the spirits giving miraculous gifts, and so that they're going to see those things function. But again, they're still believing that the Holy Spirit is there to to empower and to build and to convict and to grow and to, to hold the church fast, and it's equipping the church. So even though you might have separate views, you're still holding to that overall, like the Holy Spirit is the one working. Yeah, and so what are the, some of the examples of what the Holy Spirit does? Yeah, so John 14, 26, um, we see it, the Holy Spirit as a teacher or a helper. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we see this is a, one of the, the titles that Jesus is giving the Holy Spirit is helper, right? He's a helper for us to teach us. Yeah, he's, a, he's an intercessor. Interse- I'm, I got it. Got I got it, it ready. Well, I got it ready in my, in my Bible that we're going to talk about here Ooh. a little bit. But anyways, um, Romans 8.26, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings so you, you pointed out he's a teacher teaching us but he's also a, a helper and an intercessor one who comes alongside us and intercedes for us and helps us yes what else does he do rob he also convicts he's, he's a convictor that's convicting co- it is convicting not convecting i put convecting in there by accident okay <laughs> you said he's he's convector he yeah. could be he could be okay anyways john do you know, 16 do you know the definition of convect no. I mean, I, I just think of convection oven where it heats up, but... It is a stirring of sorts. Hmm. Holy Spirit could be a convector. <laughs> Anyways, John 16, before we go into the blasphemous route here, John yeah. 16, 7 through 11, says, Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit, this is Jesus talking, it is for your benefit that I go away. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes... He will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. There you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard gonna... with purr. <laughs> <laughs> now, a couple of things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a couple. Just, I'm not going to read the verses, but I'm going to throw these out. Um, as we said, he teaches us, John 14, 26. He guides us in the truth, John 16, 13. He comforts us. Um, he sanctifies us, Romans 15, 5. Um, a really important one, he bears witness to us that we are God's children, Romans 8, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, he seals us and guarantees our salvation. Again, Ephesians 1, that ad- adoption passage. So there's, there's a lot. We're just kind of scratching the surface. There's a lot the Holy Spirit does um, in it. And it's what's active today. So the church today is focused on um, glorifying God through Jesus and Jesus the man and Jesus the word and yeah. the scriptures we have. And we do that through the Holy Spirit, 
right? So we don't have Christ with us, and he's not incarnated on the earth. He's incarnated in heaven right now, physically, but we have the Holy Spirit uh, with us and dwelling us. So as the church, as God's people, these three characteristics should mark his people. Again, or centered or oriented on the glory or towards the glory of God. That is supreme in all we do. The way we pray, the way we sing, the way we gather, the way we do children's ministry, the way we greet people, the way we fellowship, it's to give God glory. And all those things are, are shaped and are uh, motivated through his word, the scriptures, right? And then we're empowered to do that through the Holy Spirit. Because we can do all this. We can do great talks. We can be kind. We can be like super excited. We can be the nicest people. We can be the genuinely the warmest people. Yeah. We can do all those things. But without the, the power of the Holy Spirit, he's the only one who can change people's lives. Yeah. So Amen. we can do all those other things. But without the power and the working of the Holy Spirit, we're dead in the water. Amen. All right. Amen. And, and guys, some of the verses that uh, read out here. Um, can be found in the Bible. Can be found in the Bible. In fact, all of them can be. <laughs> but I got to read. Robert was trying to use Maccabees of, again, and we're not doing that. Robert. Yeah, exactly. I got to read out of this really nice study Bible known as the CSB, Holy Land Illustrated Bible. Guys, really encourage you to check this out. Um, go over to CSB Holy Land Illustrated Bible. They are sponsoring us mm. for the time being. And I... And definitely, you said. No. Oh. For the for the time being, and um, I was flipping through this, and while we were while we were talking, there were, I was looking going over to Romans Romans eight, and there are articles about um, some of the landmarks that were around at that time, kind of help immerse you into what's going on. Yeah. and this is filled throughout the entire Bible. But I'm going to do a poor job of explaining it, so I'll just let them explain it. They say the CSB Holy Land Illustrated Bible is a visually immersive reading experience featuring over 1,100 images, maps, and illustrations to provide greater insight and understanding of the people, places, and things of Scripture. Earlier we did an episode where we talked about how to dive deep, mm. and some of the things that we pointed out were try to find out what people are being mentioned, what places are being mentioned, what are some of the things that keep coming up, because there may be some significance to that. This Bible goes over the people, the places, and the things of scripture and there's all kinds of other things 275 full-length commentary articles and over 40 digging deeper call out strategically placed throughout the bible for further exploration guys this is a really nice bible if you have ever had the desire to go to israel mm. to kind of see Save what was going on all that money <laughs> exactly and just buy this bible and get this bible it's beautiful um, go over to the csb holy land illustrated bible.com and if you don't want to buy one we are giving away one we have so everyone. One. Uh, no, 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 just one. Oh. <laughs> and here's one how. For everyone. Here's how you get it. And Rick, I haven't even ran this past you. Do it. I'm shooting from the hip here. If you are a Patreon supporter, yes, you will go into the drawing, and those are the only people who are going in. <gasps> Do you people can, have a time before they get into the page? Like, if they're like, "Dang, I want to be a Patreon supporter." So by let's this this releases on. Couple days, guys. This, this is this is on the fly business meeting. If you become a Patreon, do we want to say Thanksgiving? That gives people a week. Okay, yeah. There you go. No, I mean a little more than a week. A little more than a week. We'll say by the end of November. Yeah, yeah. By the end of November, I like become this. a Patreon supporter. And and look, it can be any amount. You can put in a dollar. That'd be much appreciated. But right now, we have a Patreon page. We've done a terrible job promoting it, and we have had yeah. several 
And when I mean several, when I say several, I mean three very faithful supporters. We're very grateful for them and we're trying to build that up. So we're trying to give them a little bit of something to say thank you. Dude, if you are a Patreon, Patreon supporter, page right you have now. the opportunity to win this thing. You so right now, have, only three people have the opportunity to get it. There's three options on Patreon. A, a dollar. Tip of the cap, sirs. Five, stay caffeinated, gentlemen. I like these titles. Thanks. And $10, the simple theologian. Which, yeah. I'm, I don't know how long it's been, but you have on here, if they're a $10 per month giver, supporter, Patreon, is there like a... a, a a word for that? What what they call those words? Where it's like a, a title? A patron. <laughs> is, this a, is this a restaurant? Patreon. I'm just learning English for the first time. Um, if you off rails. are a Patreon supporter, a patron, then you get a book for the ten dollar yeah. month. You get a book. Yeah. Not the Bible. You get you yeah, automatically yeah. get a book. So mm-hmm. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, if we get enough money, Rob, what are we gonna do with it from Patreon? Uh. Continue to cover our expenses. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just trying to put clothes on our kids' backs, you know? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Exactly. So but you yeah, have till then. Head on over there. It's patreon.com slash simpletheology. Or you could just go over to our website, simpletheology.org, and click the support button. But hey, if you do want to get in touch with us, you can find that on our website. You can also reach out to us on social media. Instagram is at simpletheologypod. Facebook, facebook.com slash simpletheology. Reach out to us on several mediums by doing the hashtag simpletheologypod. Be honest, the best way to reach out to us is just by going to Facebook or Instagram. And you can send us a message there, or you can email us, info at simpletheology.org. You can also leave us a voicemail, 614-233-1098. That was a lot. Thanks for listening. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah, that'd be great too. Peace. Peace.